0: Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Drew Horning, and on this podcast, we catch up with graduates for conversations around how their internal work in the process is informing their life outside the process, how their spirit and how their love is living in the world around them, their everyday radius. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hoffman Podcast. My name is Drew Horning, and today we have Serena Gordon with us. I am so excited. She is the co-director of the Hoffman UK, and she works with Tim Lawrence. They founded it together many, many years ago. We're in close relationship with Bob Hoffman, In addition to doing that, for years, uh, Serena was a screen actress. She trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. And she has a career spanning 30 years of stage, television, and film. And actually, if there are many James Bond fans out there, you'd recognize her in a sequence with Pierce Brosnan in GoldenEye. And um, Serena is the as i said co-director with tim lawrence and hoffman uk is in their 26th year congratulations serena and welcome to the program
1: thank you drew it's lovely to be here
0: how are you doing over there in the uk
1: oh goodness it's been a hell of a year I mean, real ups and downs. I think we were lucky to be open and delivering processes during some of the time that you were unable to do that, certainly in California. And then we closed down, unfortunately, in December um, and we'll be reopening at the end of May. So, you know, it's been, yeah, it's been one hell of a year for everybody.
0: Right. So, what has it been like during this time? I know that you've worked hard to. Keep the process open. And I also know that the UK has had over the months, over the year, a fairly strict lockdown policy.
1: I think it's been an exceptionally challenging time for everybody. But at the same time, it's brought out all these extra resources and silver linings that we would never have thought possible. I mean, this time last year, we would never have thought that we could deliver. Hoffman process you know essential tools and techniques via Zoom and in doing that and providing these weekend workshops we've been delivering Bob Hoffman's work and really getting into the hearts and the uh, and the spirits and the heads of people who would not otherwise be able to come to the Hoffman process because of travel restrictions or quarantine so you know, I mean Bob Hoffman's vision, as we know, was to spread peace in the world one person at a time. And even during lockdown, I really believe that all of us have been able still to do that and and deliver these techniques to people in the comfort of their own home. Uh, so that's been incredibly powerful, I think, and I'm sure Bob would have been, you know, so proud of each centre that's done that, that uh, that we've adapted the work, we've seized the challenge, we haven't closed down in adversity, we've gone, no, we can, we can find ways of making this work and deliver it. Uh, and I think more now than ever before, Hoffman is such an important resource for people.
0: It is, isn't it? Like, like this has been hard. People not being able to go out has forced them to go inward. And it seems like what they have found is challenge in that inward journey. And so Hoffman is even now more than ever a vital resource for tough times.
1: Yeah, and I think it has been exactly that, that inner reflection that impacts on your outer relationship with the world around you, whether, you know, you're stuck in a small apartment with kids who are in homeschooling while running a business and and all those challenges, or whether, you know, you're somebody who's been isolated or on their own um, or elderly and unable to see family. I mean, so challenging But, you know, I hope that we are all emerging from this. And as I say, you know, the the, the tools that we've been able to deliver to people, I think, has, has given some small comfort. But on a bigger scale, I think it's also made certainly for me personally, I have huge appreciation and gratitude for what I do have around me. You know, just the ability to step outside my front door and be on a lawn, you know, to have grass, to have trees around me, to have, you know, now in, in the UK, we're into spring. And I feel far more aware of the small things in life and and how grateful I am for them and how grateful I am also for a good internet connection
0: (laughs) (laughs) small but vital thing right yeah it really is it really is Uh, Serena it's so good to be talking to you you and I have worked together
1: oh I miss that I miss Connecticut so much it was Connecticut in the fall and then in this in February last year I was so lucky to be there with you
0: It was a a pleasure to teach with you. And you're doing something quite unique. As a co-director, you've been intimately associated with Hoffman. And then about a couple of years ago, will you tell everybody what you decided to do?
1: Yeah well I mean if we go back to 1995 uh, when I first, in fact 1994 when I first became aware of of Hoffman and the Hoffman process, I was married to Tim Lawrence who as you said in the intro uh, is not only the founder of uh, Hoffman UK but also trained with Bob Hoffman, worked in Canada and in the U.S. a lot in the early days and Bob and Tim and I, you, you know, used to spend a lot of time together in Sausalito and and Oakland, where Bob lived. And I, I'd never met such a fascinating man. And I, I really think to this day, I don't think he'd ever really come across uh, a very English girl. Um, and when Tim was away teaching quite a lot, Bob and I would just sit together and chat and. To this day, I'm so grateful for that opportunity because I didn't realize that meeting him then, I would be able to hold his his legacy in the palm of my hand or close to my heart. And that, as you say, took me into a couple of years ago, in spite of being in the operational side and the directing side and marketing of Hoffman UK, I decided to step into the classroom full-time and train to be a facilitator. And it was just one of those extraordinary things. I, I could never have planned it. I'd always thought, no, other people facilitate this work. I I help support it. I create the framework and hold the frame for the, for this work to be delivered. And I felt that that was my place. And then suddenly I just got this, you know, like a banging on my door kind of, you know, it's time to step, uh, step into, you know, into the room and my experience of working with your team in in the US who are so generous and so welcoming, and now working with the team here in the UK and the international teams that come through the UK and teach is I really feel very, very close to the source of the work. And in in being able to really put uh, an energy and feel Bob's energy in all those sessions in the process to feel his humor, to feel his quirkiness, to feel when he really pushes people and to feel where he where he just surrenders. I, I feel very blessed actually to be carrying out that legacy on and to be able to pass it on to the rest of our team and the people who do it in the UK.
0: That's great. It's a it's a smaller and smaller circle of people who have met Bob and known Bob and been mentored by Bob and you're in that Circle,
1: yeah, he drove me around San Francisco for the first time in his he had an open Cadillac, and it was just i'd only ever seen San francisco on in the movies and and series growing up as a kid, so bob got to to take me round on that first journey through the city and through the sort of whole. You know, area I'd loved all the Armstead Mopan books, and we we walked all around there. And he was really introducing me to this new sort of world of, I suppose, of acceptance and of um, of sweetness and of also getting beyond your past. And as I said, you know, with me, I was an English privately educated girl, an only child of parents who divorced when I was four and I think he was intrigued by me because I was quite a tough nut to crack and I think Bob liked to challenge. So it was actually his inspiration that I went and did the Hoffman process because I became pregnant and that was my trigger. Until that point, I had no desire to do the process, but knowing that I was going to become a mother and a parent, Uh, I realized that that, it was really important to understand more about myself and what kind of parent I wanted to be and what kind of parents Tim and I wanted to be to our child. So I went off to Canada um, very quickly, did my pre-course work as fast as I could because I had to do it in that middle trimester. And I went to Canada and did the process. In 1995, yeah, so 26 years ago.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. So I I get the almost visceral cellular sense of I need to do this process. So take us there. Take us to your process. Where was a moment in time that you still remember?
1: Oh, well, it it was Canada. It was just outside Toronto, and it was snowing. And again, I'd never been to Canada, but I arrived off the plane, arrived at the venue. The whole place was in snow and snowdrifts. It was a winter wonderland. And I sat in this room just looking around at my fellow travelers. And I felt very, you know, other, very different. And, and yet it was an incredibly powerful incredibly powerful week. I mean, I, I can absolutely shut my eyes and see myself in the position in the room. And I can feel and see the two people who sat on either side of me, a young girl who kind of held it together for the whole week until the very last bit um, when when she just melted, her heart melted. I think I started crying from the moment I entered the room. I had like 30 years of grief that I hadn't been aware of that I'd just been just pushing down and and being the good girl. I was a good girl, I was daddy's girl, I was, you know, I, I performed obviously in order to get love and attention, so everyone thought I was very extrovert. But actually inside I was incredibly lonely. Really, I used to carry my own little suitcase with an A to Z map of London um in case i got lost and and i could find my own way home and and i was 5 you know so i went to boarding school when i was 7 and i had so i built up all these these layers of resilience of protection but the process just some something about walking into that room just allowed me just to just to let go and i think it was just trusting for the first time ever because i i couldn't trust my parents because they kept getting things wrong or or, you know, not showing up for me when they said they would. So I fundamentally had a, a real lack of trust. But something about the Hoffman team and the up there. And I just really felt, okay, if there's one thing I can do for myself, it's to really do this work and go as deep as I possibly can. And I did. And, you know, I fought for that little girl and I. I, you know, my spiritual self gave that little girl all the love and unconditional love that she'd been deprived of. So it feels very sweet to kind of reach back and and bring that little girl out. And I think, you know, some of us have maybe had childhoods where we didn't have all the, the love and attention that our parents could have given us. And we know, as Bob said, no one's to blame. Um, But I I really got in touch with my spiritual self and I got in touch with huge forgiveness for my parents and compassion for my dad for being so controlling and for my mom for being so abandoning. And just that awareness between their little six year old child and my six year old child and that beautiful piece of of communication that we have um, was incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah, this idea that we can actually be the mother we never had or be the father we never had, that we can take on those roles and fill in the gaps where our parents couldn't, is is um, it's quite radical, isn't it? And yet that's part of what the Hoffman process is all about.
1: Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, it just goes back to that, that self-love, doesn't it? That unless you have self-love, it's very difficult to love others. Um, And I remember, I do remember Bob once saying to me, you know, do you love yourself? And I just looked at him like, "Are are you crazy? Of course, I don't love myself. And it was a little bit American for me to even contemplate that. And then, you know, just being in the process. Of course, I realized that's, that was the key to it all and in those days we had this sort of cup of love where which was a very simple diagram and the love was right down in the bottom but covering it all was all the grief and the shame and and the you know all the the sadness and the vindictiveness or addictions or whatever were all clogging the love and you know, it, it was just that that was the beginning for me of actually going, okay, life can be so much easier if you resource yourself and and can love yourself.
0: One of the things I love about the process is it's so both and, and it it shows the possibility of what life can be like if you love yourself. And it also allows you an experience of of looking at how bad it can really get if you don't love yourself. Do you have some reflections on that part of the process where you look at life without that self-compassion and what could really go down if that's how you lived from?
1: Yeah, it was a very powerful um, experience for me was the left road, right road, and understanding fully the choice and doing the left road negative grave experience when i was in canada was visceral we were outside it was snowing it it was cold lying there and imagining this yeah the fact that this is what my life could be if i if i let my life be led down that left road with all those negative patterns and and with the dark side and everything like that and then making that choice to step out. And in those days back in, in 1995, we didn't do a, a positive right road experience straight after, which we do now. But I now know that I made that conscious choice to live life on the right road led from my spiritual self. And when my spiritual self and the qualities of my spiritual self is leading the way, I'm amazed by what transformation happens, Uh, not only for myself, how I can feel grounded, I can feel I can surrender to the universe and, and what will be will be and I can trust for the first time ever, but also things happen things fall into place the road opens up and i can walk down that road now feeling that from now until the day i die i'll still be working this work i'll still be using the tools i'll still have good days and bad days but i can i'll be able to as an old lady look back on my life and go i've led my life with the qualities of my spiritual self
0: that looking back is is an important part of the process imagining it's, it's the end and look back. How was it? And the other thing you talked about that this ongoing work, Serena, so many people come to the process wanting to fix themselves, wanting to get rid of this thing that is so uncomfortable and unwanted in their life. Why is fixing not the way forward
1: Fixing is just to me is the elastoplast over the wound, isn't it? Fixing is thinking is trying to pretend and deny that there's anything happening underneath. Fixing is just functioning. To me, again, as we invite people to in the process to to surrender to the experience and to know that this is a process you will be on until the day you die. You know, it's not a week long process. You know, Hoffman is walking alongside you as a as a you know as a series of experiences and of tools and techniques and it facilitates your journey until the day you die you know if you come f- with love so i can look back and feel you know right now i can say i don't think i would have any fear at the end because i'm leading my life just as best as I can. And that would be the way to do it. But if you think that by paying money, turning up at a venue, doing the work, your life is going to be miraculously sorted. Well, it's not, as we all know. So I think that's why it's important that the people who come to the process, we do, as you do in the US, we do a lot of really important thorough screening that the people who come to the process are really committed to doing this and working the work until, until the day they die.
0: Wow. And, you know, you have an interesting perspective on Hoffman, Serena. You did your own process in Canada, you're co-director in the UK, you've trained in the US. What's it like to see this network of organizations doing this work in so many countries?
1: Oh, it's exciting. And it's exciting to celebrate the differences And also to celebrate the similarities. I mean, as you know, everyone had a a parent. uh, Let's put it that way. So there's something that unites the people that come to the process. But we did the process in Ireland and in South Africa and also in the Middle East. And to see and experience the different cultures coming into the same work, but getting something you know that was unique to them as individuals because their childhoods were all you know very different to a western childhood and things like that just shows how how beautifully deep and powerful the work is you know it transcends all all the cultures and and religious you know uh, denominations and everything it's you know it's 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 beautiful in its simplicity i think
0: ah and it's in its application across religion across Language, it still works. Serena, describe where the UK site is. What is that part of England like?
1: So it's, um, we have a venue down in Sussex um, called Florence House. And it's a beautiful house, very, very intimate. It's on the coast in a, a stunning area. If anyone knows the Seven Sisters South Coast Path, which is between Brighton and Eastbourne. So, already people who come to the process, a bit like in California or Connecticut, they know that they're going to a place that is in a natural setting. It was actually bought originally by somebody who did the Hoffman process with us in a different venue. And when she was on her post-process weekend, she happened to be staying nearby and she saw this house and she just felt drawn to it. And she she knocked on the door and said, I'm just drawn to this house. I don't know why. And the guy said, well, I'm actually about to go and, and put it on the market because I'm selling it. And she bought it. And, and that's where we first started doing processes in 1999. And it's called Florence House and she named it after her mother. Um, so we've still been at Florence House since then, so this is what, you know, our 22nd year there, and the staff know us well, and, you know, it's it's got a special energy to it.
0: And I imagine students experience the, the wind and the views off the coast?
1: Yeah, they really do. And as you know, there's plenty of opportunity to go into nature and encourage people to go for lovely walks um, so people can go up onto these amazing cliffs. I mean, we have to obviously say, please keep away from the edge of the cliff. There's also beautiful, um, not beaches like Californian beaches, but really kind of wild, windy beaches. And a, a lot of our our clients like to just go down there and just stand and allow, you know, the the waves to sort of crash around them so it's very um everyone makes their process venue very significant part of their own process experience i think
0: yeah it is incredible how nature gets woven in how close the natural world is to our soul
1: yeah absolutely and we have a bonfire in the evening one evening and because we're able to we can all stand around the bonfire and and people really feel that they feel the energy of the elements of being outside of looking at the stars and the universe above and then looking feeling the ground beneath their feet and then looking into the fire and the flames and and the and the spark and each person i know is having their own silent kind of communion as it were with the with the wonder of nature and yeah, it, it's such a beautiful thing that, that is an extra dimension to doing the process itself, to to what we teach, but it's also what they are experiencing on their own. Serena,
0: we couldn't have a conversation if we didn't ask you a little bit about life as a screen actress. What was, what was that like and how did you get involved in acting and take us there?
1: Oh, it's so funny. Um... I look back now and probably when I was 7 my strategy of getting through life was to entertain. So I wanted to be a kind of comedian and and you know and just entertain people. I love making people laugh. And somehow that took me to going to drama school and training to be an actress and then I started my career in the theater in Regent's Park in London and my contemporaries at uh, in my Class at RADA were Rafe Fines, who obviously is an Oscar-winning actor, and you know also Jane Horrocks, again a, an actress who's won lots of awards for Rise and Fall of Little Voice, Imogen Stubbs, Janet McTeer, Sean Bean, you know Ken Branagh. These were all people who were at RADA at the same time, so we were we were quite a, a significant crowd leaving, and and I've loved doing it. I loved immersing myself in other people's characters. I loved not having to think what I was gonna say because somebody else had scripted what I was gonna say, somebody else put a costume on me, a wig. I used to do loads of period dramas, so I was always in lots of mini series. So, you know, worked with Courtney Cox or, you know, worked with Kirk Douglas, worked with Joel Gray, with Stuart Granger, I mean, amazing worked with Angela Lansbury, I mean you know, fantastic actors that I would never otherwise have worked with or met, obviously. And I, I was just one of those actresses who just took anything that anyone threw at me and I loved it. And then I kept doing series and like Midsummer Murders and the big series of The Bill for about six months. And then as my children started to grow up, I started to actually just want to be more engaged with them, and a lot of the work I was doing was taking me away from home. So I started just to pull back a little bit, and the whole acting profession, I think, had really changed at that point. There was less less sort of rehearsal time, less inclusion. It was more just stand there, do that, you know, and I, I just felt it wasn't for me. And at that moment, I, I felt more pulled to greater connection with the Institute here. And I realized that that's actually my passion is helping people take them on a journey of, like like their story, their beginning, middle and end. And that's sort of what drew me into acting was that sense of community, working together, moving the audience on an emotional journey. And And I realize now that all that training has really helped me be the facilitator that I am because when I'm there in the room, I realize that this is about their story and I'm just facilitating their connection to their story. And and it's really liberating to do that.
0: I love the the transition of being an actress in in other people's story to then being a facilitator to help people tell their own story. We all do have a story, sometimes that story is problematic and we need to rewrite it, don't we?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's it's almost just accepting that the past is part of your autobiography. You know, the, it's worse if you try and deny it or or push it away or hide it in an attic. It's like, I think that's one of the beauties of the process and even the pre-process work is that courage to bring everything out, bring all the boxes of your past out into the open and you know have have people as it were around you as you open the boxes and sort through the treasures that you love and you'll hold on to until you're an old person or the ones that actually you know fill you with sadness or loss or anger or frustration or whatever it is and allow the process tools to to help you let go of those so they've still got a part in your system of who you are but they're, they're, yeah, they're part of your, your whole makeup. They're part of the mosaic that becomes you is, is that, is accepting that childhood.
0: Yeah. And just smiling here in a kind of knowing the power of, of the work and the immersive nature of the experience. How are your kids now? How old are they?
1: Oh, they are, I think, well, I suppose Ben's going to be 26. He was the one who I was pregnant with when I not only did the process but also I did the the James Bond film Goldeneye. Um I was pregnant with him when I was in that Aston Martin. So Ben's uh, nearly 26 and Alfie's 24. They're both living I mean, I don't know, as a parent I I'm so relieved to have happy children or, you know, to feel that they they know what they want. They've they're on their own path. They know that Tim and I are both here to support them, but I love their independence. And I think that to me, I, I'm really grateful to the process for helping me work that out so I didn't pass on the, the sort of shitty baton to my children. I was able to to deal with that before, before actually giving birth, which was great.
0: Serena, you and Tim, are their parents? You're not together, and yet you co-parent, you co-direct. A lot of people would be surprised. <laughs> uh, how how do you do that? Not being with Tim anymore, having that past, and yet successfully co-parenting and successfully co-directing the UK Institute.
1: I think spiritual self to spiritual self, Tim are really Tim and I are really connected, and any irritations that we have just comes down to patterns or transference. You know using the tools and working the work, it's easy to overcome. Stuff like that. And I can't believe that I'm going to be teaching with Tim in May when we open. And I'm sure there are many people who've known us through our marriage and through our divorce who probably also will, you know, think that's something quite extraordinary. But, you know, we're older and wiser. I I think I've let go of a lot of the stuff that I was carrying. And I think the same with Tim. And, you know, through lockdown, we've we've both found you know huge support in one another's strengths and to really be able to you know support one another and and that to me is a great friendship based on uh yeah based on a, a, a you know an, an understanding of that we're spirits wanting to produ- you know wanting to hold and deliver this work yeah. And so I can still get have bad days where I feel really pissed off with Tim or whatever. But when you step into the Hoffman world, it's like you step into a bubble that, that just allows you just to see through all that and, and into the heart of someone.
0: I love that. What's it like to reflect on your life, on your institute, your partnership with Tim, your career as an actress? What do you notice?
1: Amazing resilience. I'm so grateful to my body and to simple quadrinity checks. That's my fundamental tool that has actually allowed me to go through some real ups and downs. It's been tough, you know, being a female entrepreneur, being a mother, being a partner, and having friendships and going through, yeah, you know, divorces, marriages. I have incredible resilience and a sense of humor i think that's really helped and really good friends and a love of nature and four legged animals
0: uh, i did not think you were going to say that last one four legged animals what are your <laughs> what's the quality of your four legged animals
1: Oh, I have a tortoise who is so resilient. She hibernates every winter on her own in the, in the earth and she comes up on Mother's Day. You know, she is a fighter and a survivor. So I, I get a lovely quality from her. Then I've got a four-legged dog, Matty, who is just so joyous and has mad, crazy moments where she just runs around. And then she has incredibly sweet sensitive loyal moments of unconditional love and she really inspires me and then i've got a 20 year old cat who just has longevity who just kind of goes yep i'm here you know so i suppose that's that's me really
0: the tortoise the dog the cat and yeah. serena gordon everybody thank you serena i'm grateful for this conversation and for our time shared together a few years ago and for your work in uh, as a partner in this journey
1: thank you drew thank you and i really look forward to being able to come back over there I desperately want to come back to the states and and work with you all there so thank you for inviting me onto this it's been really lovely lovely to reflect back and really interesting questions so thanks for the experience
0: serena thank you
1: listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and President of Hoffman Institute Foundation.
0: And I'm Raz Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation.
1: Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love
0: in themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to HoffmanInstitute.org.